Welcome back to the Government Transformation Show. I'm joined this time by Ed Pickett, Director of Central Government at Hitachi Solutions, and Chris Cope, a Digital Programme Director at the Environment Agency. So this episode, we'll be exploring if reusability is working and how we can do more to collaborate on common problems across government. We'll be looking at this issue through the lens of a case study from the Environment Agency, where Hitachi has helped them to deliver the Smart Environmental Regulation Programme. As ever, there's lots to dig into, so let's jump in. So welcome. Ed and Chris, thank you so much uh, for joining me today on the on the podcast. Um, so we're here today to discuss whether reusability is working and how we can do more to collaborate on common problem solving across government. Um, so Ed, you're joining us from Hitachi, which has obviously helped numerous government agencies to crack their data and digital transformation challenges. And as I mentioned today, we look at this through the lens of reusability and common problem solving, um, which is where Chris, you're joining us from the Environment Agency to talk about how you've worked with Hitachi uh, to deliver DEFRA's Smart Environmental Regulation Programme. Um, but before we get into all that, really keen to kick things off with some introductions. So um, Ed, I'll come over to you first. As I mentioned, you're at Hitachi now, but you've also had a really interesting career in the civil service. Um, so you've seen firsthand some of the digital transformation challenges. Can you talk a bit about what you're doing now and how you're working with the public sector to solve some of those? Sure. Uh, and thanks for having us today, Sam. So I'm Ed. I head up our central government practice at Attachy Solutions. We're an end-to-end transformation uh, consultancy. And we have been working with and supporting Chris and his team and the Environment Agency now for, for a number of years, helping to, to execute Chris and his broader team's vision for uh, a different way of undertaking regulation in a, in a digital data-driven way. Um, and it's been a, it's been an exciting project. It's been a brilliant project. It's been challenging at times, obviously, but we are uh, beginning to see some really great successes and beginning to see the, uh, the, the the fruits of our labor really bear you know kind of really come to the surface now so it's a, it's a pleasure to be a part of it in terms of I guess our involvement we're very much with a delivery partner for it we you know we take a sort of I guess a sort of we're responsible for that for the technology aspects but the project as a whole is, is a real collaboration between all parts of the environment agency we we work as a, as a blended team with I guess people from different parts of the organizations working really well together towards that that common goal that Chris um, has set over the last few years. So it's been, a, yeah, as I said, it's been an exciting project. A lot has got done. There's still a long way to go. In some ways, we've sort of barely scratched the surface of what can be achieved. But I'll hand over to Chris. You can obviously talk in a bit more detail. Cool. Thanks, Ed. Um, yeah, and thanks, uh, Sam, for the, the opportunity to, sh- to share our story. Um, so Chris Cope, I um, have a background in di- leading digital trans- transformation programmes. I've worked in uh, energy, uh, utilities, for financial services in both consulting uh, and uh, in industry roles. And uh, about five years ago, I made the move to the Environment Agency, which was a bit of a change, but and moving into public sector. But it, it feels like uh, we're all trying to solve the same, the same problems in terms of the modernization the digitalization and how do we build uh, capability that's you know designed for for ai um and i lead on digital in um in the uh, regulatory part of the environment agency um, and i'm uh, program director for the what we call the regulatory services program which i think we're going to share a bit about in the uh, in the podcast 
Awesome. Thanks both for those intros. Um, and before we kind of delve into this really exciting project that you're here to talk about today, I did want to set a bit of kind of background, a bit of context to the to the challenges that, that we're looking at today. So obviously collaborations to share and reuse technology, data, services opens up considerable benefits in terms of efficiency, affordability, and just generally more kind of informed policymaking in government. But there is this concern that shared services can't technically meet the specific needs of, of different users. Ed, I know you've spoken about this topic before and Hitachi chaired a table on this uh, topic at our summit earlier this year. Against that backdrop, kind of is reusability working and, and what are some of the barriers and complexities involved in that? Um, Ed, I don't know if you want to want to kick things off. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm going to sort of somewhat even humble pie here. I, I was a civil servant for 13 years and I, and I ended up at the Department of International Trade, where I was the, the Chief Digital Officer and Director of Digital Data and Technology. And uh, we spent a lot of time building services and products. And we spent a lot of time researching and designing and iterating and testing and learning and improving and building and all the things that go with that. And it always felt like we weren't potentially, or at least weren't reaching the potential of giving brilliant value to taxpayers because we were building from scratch every single time. And it was definitely something that was always in a part of my thinking. And I think it's the thinking of, of everyone who is a, a leader in government or part of a program that's delivering service to think, God, is there a way of doing this that actually can be more efficient and more effective? And aren't those guys doing something over there that's really similar? And how do we, how do we get hold of that? And it's really hard. Government is is not always set up to share horizontally. It's you know it's structured in these sort of vertical pillars of departments and organisations. And you know we're starting to see data sharing. We're starting to see greater use of APIs. We're starting to see sta standards. But this is definitely the first project that I've been involved in that has set out from the absolute outset the principles of trying to build in a, in a componentized way, in a, in a user-centered way, in a way that is entirely focused around data mm. that can really enable future reuse and it can really enable greater value for the taxpayer and you know all credit has to go to, to Chris and his team for that for pursuing that from the very start. I, I think Ed being being new to the public sector it it just makes a sense that we should be working in that way. Um don't know if you agree Ed but I'm I'm seeing with the program and what we're delivering there's there's kind of three kind of areas where reuse is is um is really possible. Firstly in terms of how you implement policy. So policies in particular Particularly in, in, um, in the environment agency, we regulate in loads of different areas, but we go through a standard pattern of you you apply uh, you apply for a permit, we do some determination, we bill, we undertake compliance and enforcement, and it's the same repeatable patterns, uh, and it's the same. We've had conversations with loads of other regulators who are going through the same the, the same approach, and I think what we're starting to see is that yes, the policies. Are different but the capability needs that underpin the policies are broadly similar in terms of application determination etc so that, that's one area we're seeing and i think the other area we're seeing is as you've alluded to there is around um capability reuse so whether that's in terms of um, code data models api connections uh, you know reuse in terms of the nuts and bolts what we, we're starting to see that there's so much opportunity across all the different platforms we're building and services that there's a great opportunity there and then we've just been doing um, with Hitachi a piece of work around um, around digital twins and I think what we're starting to see is how you can reuse the architecture for different purposes so we've got uh, we've got an Azure data 
service and we you know we we put that in place initially to think through you know to, to bring our data into one place do some clever reporting and we've actually used that now for all our migration activities and with the digital twin work it's enabled us to bring all the data and to do all the modeling work at, at speed and we're you know there's opportunities for from the architectural perspective to move you know to deliver much quicker and reuse the capabilities we've already got in place yeah i mean kind of keen to get a bit more into this but first just wanted to kind of rewind slightly just to provide a bit of context on on, on kind of the project that, that we're going to be talking about today um so chris obviously the environment agency um, and hitachi as you said are, are working together to transform how it regulates and, and protects the environment through as you said digital ai um with its smart environmental regulation program and and this involves kind of replacing over 25 lines of business systems by designing developing digital capabilities that can be reused but chris just to give us a sense of kind of what was the the driving factor behind this project and what are kind of the biggest benefits that you're seeing or, or hope to start seeing um, kind of towards the end goal, I guess, of this project? So, so as a regulator, so digital cuts across everything we do. So it, it's how we engage with communities and provide information around what's going on, uh, you know, from an environmental perspective. Uh, it's digital helps us regulate uh, and simplify the user experience. So if you, if you need to apply for a permit and undertake some of the activities, um, to, you know, uh, so, so digital simplifies that. Um, and then for our teams and for the EA, digital uh, plays an important role in terms of how we use, you know, how we simplify our business processes, how we can become quicker and more productive, but also more targeted in terms of our resources. Um, so we understand the biggest uh, the biggest risks. Um, I, I always talk to my team about Spotify just, just quickly and how Spotify is very you know the whole product is designed around prediction mm-hmm. um and you know understanding me and the music i listen to and we're, we're no different in terms of understanding the environment and how we can predict where environmental risk is and how we can then target our resources in in, in the best way so digital is is key to how we deliver transformation and some of the you know where we're at at the moment is making sure we we move away from a, a fairly complex legacy estate mm-hmm. uh, to one that is much more simplified is designed around um designed around what we call our service pattern which is the the, the you know the value chain the life cycle that you undertake in in regulation uh, and with hitachi we are just putting in place those those basics those foundations at the moment um in terms of modern modernized services and platforms you know well-designed customer journeys and business processes that enable us then to bring all that data together and do some of the really transformative ai piece mm. And I mean, Ed, obviously you've been heavily involved in this project. Um, curious to hear how Hitachi has been able to support them in this mission and, and what you think has kind of been key to that success so far. I think it's really interesting when you when you start on a project at the very at the very beginning, at the, at the inception, as, as a consultancy, you know, we'd like to think that we bring a, a deep understanding of of the technology uh, and a deep understanding of methodology and, and processes and, and how you can um, how you can transform, but you don't have a deep understanding of the problem inherently. That's the you know that's the role of the the role of, of the client and Chris and his team. And I think you know we've now been involved for three years. I think as a whole over that time, what it's helped us do is really really align and and get that deep understanding of the problem, deep understanding of ways of working, and kind of co-create a way of working that that wasn't necessarily something that you know we had drawn up on a 
on a slide deck as this is our methodology from day one. It's something that's been that's been co-created over the last three years, that way of working, that way of aligning towards that common goal. And I think that over those three years, being able to help us get that really, really deep understanding of the problem, a really clear conceptual understanding of what we're trying to achieve together as a shared team, that's probably what's helped make this such a such a really incredible project and such a successful project so far and has set it on that path so having that alignment having that you know kind of the trust that you can have between two different organizations not worrying too much about who necessarily is working for who and just having say no common goal this is what we need to achieve we need to pin our ears back and get on with it and focusing i think having that sort of laser focus on the vision it's a really important part of what, of what we've been able to do and, and can i just expand on that as well because i i think we're dealing with quite complex issues that have been you know built up over a number of years and the only way to overcome those complex issues is teamwork um and ha- you know that having that you know that we try and be the the best intelligent client that we can be coming to the table with here's a vision of how we we want the organization to work and where it's actually really helped us is bring that as you've said that expertise of the the technology and but but also the ability to translate that into delivery as well um and and i you know we, we um We've made mistakes, I think, Ed, along the way, and we've learned and evolved and just worked in that, like you say, trust is at the heart of it. Otherwise, if you don't have that, then um, we've probably lost the battle before we've already started. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, we're, 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 it's funny, really, when I, I look at the projects, you know, we work on multiple projects across government, and there is no no one project is the same, although obviously conceptually and components and, and approach sometimes is. But this is it's quite unique in some ways for us because we aren't delivering it in the same way as we are any of our other projects. We have created something new, a new methodology, a new way of working, a new a new way of co-creating and collaborating around these problems. So it's quite exciting for us. We're, we're learning on this on that journey as well. And I think we've, you know, we've got to a good place um, that puts those foundations to build on. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm curious to know, I guess, like what some of the bumps on the road have been and kind of how you've overcome them. And I think when considering the challenges of a, of a project like this, as with any project, one of the biggest um, kind of problems I frequently here is is kind of getting buy-in um so chris kind of curious to hear how you achieved buy-in at all levels of the organization to ensure um that change or if there's any other kind of bumps on the road challenges that you've had to to come on um come to overcome that'd be interesting to hear about too I, I think the, the the critical point sam is that we've listened and understood to our users the needs of the organization where you know from a strategic perspective where we're heading and you know we didn't jump into this with two feet we listened and understood and we shaped the program uh, around those needs um you know obviously that's a key part of how we should be doing this anyway the gds approach but uh, i think it's really important that 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 listening and understanding i think i think the other point um and i'd love to do a separate podcast on this is around service design and we brought service design methodology into how we've shaped the program so it you know we're making sure we build out the right services. Um, it's the service design methodology is a great way of engaging the audience in terms of how you know that future, how we want think, how we want our customer journeys and business processes to work. Um, and, and and that's um, that's what's driving the program rather than a lot of what I've seen in the past. You you have a, a program, we have um, a portfolio of silo based projects um, that that are disparate and aren't joining up, and everything within the program joins up. And um, I, I think it's it's the 
the service design uh, that's driving the technology than the other way around. Mm. Um, and it just seems to be working. Um, I, I just I think as well, in terms of um, in terms of that engagement and that buy in, uh, what we've tried to do, particularly with Hitachi is, and how we use the technology is to we've not we've not come in with a glossy slide pack and said we're going to change everyone's world. What we've actually done is just slowly but surely build up confidence within the program that a we can deliver and we can demonstrate how the technology will will make a difference to our teams and uh, you know and, and to regulation and i think what we're, we're getting to a point now where we're you know confident in what we're, we're delivering we deliver some really good stuff and that confidence is there and through naturally that we've built up organically that that engagement and buy-in and you know across the organization we have um, we have support with what we're trying to do and, and buy-in i think it's that kind of it's, these things have to probably be feel a bit more kind of startup organic rather than, than top down for them to work really well. I, I think because you make a really good point, delivery in government is hard. It's not necessarily always set up to to enable delivery. Some of the structures in place, and it was certainly something that I found. It's very easy to to shut projects down or to find a reason not to do something. It's expect you know it can be expensive, it can be complicated, it can cause other problems. But the best way of of trying to get something done is by showing the thing of delivering value is actually all the time, every single sprint, every single every single week, demonstrating the value that can be delivered by actually creating something new. And you know, working in an Azure way, iterating all the time, constantly improving, constantly being able to really show to people in the business how this can slowly improve upon their working life, how this can improve upon some of the challenges that they face every day is a really important part of this. You know, we talk about showing the thing. It is so, so important to buy in. Um, you know, we, and we, that's very much what Chris does and we, we support him where we can, but it's, it means it's exciting. It means people love working on it. And from our side, you know, it's one of the most popular projects that we run as a business. People want to work on on projects that genuinely are making our country and our world a better place and a, and a more sustainable place and, a, 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 and, and improving the quality of the environment around you. So it's I got a nice cue from my uh, from my team saying, all right, when can I move on to the EA project? Which always makes it easier for my side. Can I just add to that, Ed? Because um, I, I think this all started three years ago um, where we worked on a proof of value together. Um, and it was we did a six-week piece where we quickly demonstrated how and the technology could help us and some of the applied designs and and we've just continued that way of working that kind of uh, it's not agile but that speed of delivery so that we can spin things up we can break that not, not break things is a probably a bit of a, a strong term but we can prove or disprove that we can make things happen with the technology and i think that way of working is um you know gets the, the the trust element but it, it's it, from an engagement perspective we can put things in front of people and say this is how the future will look and obviously these aren't productionized capabilities but it, it's it's that kind of way of working that's helping um, and also, I, I, I'd be amiss, um, Sam, not to mention that leadership plays a really important part of how you run this type of program. So, you know, we have a really good SRO, Gillian, who gives us really strong direction and gives us space to, to be able to work in this, is, this way as well. We're reaping the benefits of that. But, you know, leadership and that, 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 that steer has, has been critical to, um, to, where, to get us to where we are today. And just on this point, I guess, about kind of thinking about different ways of working and, and collaboration, do you feel like that the, the lens that which government teams um, are looking at problem solving, is that starting to change away from the traditional silo structures? And more importantly, how do you think we can really enable that 
change in that kind of structure of the way that we're looking at problems from the get-go was that for me or chris <laughs> just a question thrown out yeah. to both of you to be honest ed can i, can I answer that sorry yeah. I, i've just come from a call with the scottish government this morning actually where we you know we're we're all solving the same problems and mm-hmm. um you know we're trying to work out um how, how do we solve these problems together and i as i mentioned i've, I've spoken with all loads of uh, different regulators and we're all trying to solve the same problems and there's very much a, a demand out there to, to collaborate and do this together um I, I think how we make that happen is you know in supplies like Hitachi are key enablers to that but I think from a you know, what we're starting to see is um you know with funding tie um you know um the, the, you know we, the, we've got to be learning from each other as a, a general principle um if we're all trying to achieve the same outcome so I, I think it's happening I don't think it's happening as as fast as it you know we're not overly mature in this space but I think it, it's it's maturing yeah I mean I completely agree and, and Sam you might come on to this this later so I, I apologize if I'm jumping the gun but we uh, we've been to a number of events over the last the last month talking about this conceptually and there's a lot of interest not necessarily directly just in this project but the concept of how you go about sharing learning and one of the biggest barriers to this there is a belief that there is only one way to do something sometimes in government when you kind of build services that you know you you start at the beginning you do a pre-discovery you write a business case you do a discovery you go into Ralph you go into BT you push it live you know and, and you just follow that that absolute route and yes absolutely you need to follow those those stage gates and you need to make sure you're iterating and all the things that go with it but there's also the opportunity to the, the start of a project to stand up and to look around government and to see who is doing what and how they're doing it and where they're doing it. Mm. And there's loads of fantastic other suppliers um, out there doing great stuff that, you know, we can learn from as well. I'm you know, not going to stand there and say that it's actually the only guys doing this. But I think that there's lots of brilliant work going on other departments. One of the, the sort of really interesting bits of feedback that we got from, we chaired around a, a couple of roundtables on this, was that people don't know where to find out this information. And I know CDDO, which is the Central Digital Data Office, that kind of one of the cross-government, part of the cabinet, obviously, that look across government and making sure that people are are kind of being quite T-shaped in how they approach these things. They're looking at this, but there were lots of things. People saying, look, we need a, a we need a, a register of services that can be reused. We need more components. We need greater ability to facilitate that. I think the there is a there's a definite barrier to this stuff where actually sometimes the organization that might be developing something aren't the beneficiary from designing it in a way that can be reused, at least not in the immediacy. There is a longer term benefit that comes from that, but it isn't always. And it's the same with, you know, opening up data and building APIs that people connect to, everything that goes with that. You kind of need to think bigger than just the confines of the project that you are individually working on. You need to think of government as a as a bigger entity. And it's a really, really hard thing to do and certainly hard to get in a business case. Can, can I expand on this word? Because I, I think you run the risk of, we, we've ended up with a legacy estate with over 100 systems and services. And if you take the approach you've just outlined, which which I think is the the general approach across across government, you end up with that problem of complex estates because you've sold a specific policy or business need, but then you've not done that in a an enterprise way. And I think if you end up with so many systems and online services, then it goes against the kind of core principles of user centricity, I, I think. And, and that's where I think I think we need to that that's where what I've seen is 
we need to be taking that that organizational based approach to digital because we need to design organization like government departments around digital rather than it just being a project uh, a project by project based approach and i think that's kind of what we're trying to do a bit more yeah i know some really interesting kind of ideas of of, of what needs to be done to sort of improve sharing collaboration um common problem solving in government i guess kind of given that given the challenges that government face right now and 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 chris thinking about the about the project you've worked on with with hitachi obviously you've had the chance to present this to to various government departments um also at the summit um, earlier this year, keen to get a sense of kind of what appetite have been like for that and what were the kind of top level conversations you had when you were presenting that and, and what kind of questions people had around that? I, I think mainly around, yeah, it makes perfect sense, but what, what are the challenges in this space to transformation? Um, I, I think the for, for us, um, you know, I think the same across other government departments, funding often drives behaviours and how we do that. Uh, so get a lot of questions around how, how do you navigate that? How do you navigate some of the more cultural challenges? So uh, it turns out teams like autonomy and to design their own bespoke solutions. So, you know, we get there's, there's a lot of um, lots of questions around that. I think we're all trying to overcome those those cultural things around how we we, we deliver quicker. Um, and then it's horrifically practical, this, but we are all struggling with the same issue of how do you move? Yeah, you know, it's great. You can, it's easy to design a new platform, relatively easy, um, but how do you get there on that journey? How do you migrate? great all your data how do you keep all your legacy systems going and that's where uh, i think a lot of you know we talk about a few bumps that's where the, the main complexity is and where we've had to have a bit of space to work out um how we do it so one example is that we've got systems that are 30 years old and it's quite difficult to shoehorn not a technical term data that's 30 years old into a modern system so these are some of the complexities we're, we're dealing with and they're not insurmountable but i think that's where we can start you know across government we can share some of the learning and I'm sure others will take different perspectives but they're, they're the key things and Ed, does this echo kind of similar things that you you found if there's kind of anything you wanted to add there I, I think I completely agree I, I think and Chris said earlier that you know this project started out as a, as a six-week proof of concept which actually is a great way to start because you're not overreaching from mm. the beginning you're not turning around on day one and saying right here we go we're going to completely transform everything it's going to take four years watch us you know go because inherently you're going to set yourself up for failure if you if you go with that approach you're always going to you know optimism bias is going to come in you're going to underestimate complexity you're going to not understand the, the nuances of all the separate things that need to come together whereas doing it in a in a, a more iterative fashion starting small proving conceptually can it happen testing learning failing jumping over those kind of jump you know trying to jump over the the, the, the complexities as they come is an easy a much easier way of doing it i think it will be challenging for some organizations that might look at, at chris's project and go perfect we want we want to do that exact same thing let's write a business case for x amount of you know time and money and investment and i think it's it's quite a scary prospect looking at it as one mm. one entity as referred to component parts and something that can be delivered over time as well and um i guess i'd be remiss not to ask about kind of the benefits that can be realized from automation ai chris i know you mentioned digital twins at the beginning of this discussion and curious to kind of pick up 
um, with that again and kind of hear what some of the opportunities are with that and how, yeah, how we can best leverage the opportunities presented by by this kind of exciting technology. I have to I have to be careful because I've, I've spent the podcast saying we don't want to promise the world. <laughs> it really is going to change like how we go about environmental regulation. It, re- it really is. And everything we're putting in place is to enable that to make sure we have the right quality data, the right processes. Um, and really, I, I mean, this is so wide ranging, but really this is for me a about environmental risk and how we use the uh, data and the intelligence that we have. Um, you know, right now there are people uh, up and down the country who are doing work, you know, going out, do, doing compliance visits, we're do, inf- doing enforcement activities, we're determining permits. And it's about how we use that data to understand where the risks are environmentally and how do we, how do, you know, how do we target our resources? Um, and then I, I think the the real transformation that I'm really excited about this work we're doing with Digital Twins because the the modeling aspect so the ability to then bring um in a catchment a catchment uh, an understanding of the dependencies within the environment and if you put a factory in or you do this or you do that what the impacts are and we, we've obviously been doing that for some time in the ea but the the ability and the technology and the data enables us to do this and embed it in our you know much further in our ways of working so it is it, it's, it's really exciting really interesting and it's all you know with a a really good purpose this in mind in terms of how we protect and, and look after the environment. And um, Ed, did you want to add anything in there at all? I think we're going to have to have another podcast to just on the digital twin just to just to show some stuff because it is really it's really exciting and it's really interesting and it's um and it you know groundbreaking is always a bit strong but it's it's definitely a you know a, a different way of approaching a problem so really exciting project there I think you know we talk about it, I don't work for for DEFRA I don't work for EA but we talk about regulating the environment as like such a small little thing you know you say it so quickly and it's so big and it's so complex and it's you know fiendishly kind of arms and legs sprawling out all over the place yeah. so there is huge you know without without sort of jumping on the bandwagon of ai the, the potential is there for it to completely revolutionize all this stuff but you've got to have those basics in place you've got to have the structures in place you can't just run off and start you know launching some sort of generative model on something and hope for the best it doesn't work like that so it's really exciting it's really interesting and having that vision and having that purpose and having that as a as a bit of a kind of you know moonshot it's a really exciting thing and it helps motivate it helps drive it helps innovation it helps you know kind of keeps people on constantly guessing oh what could we do here what could we do there how can we bring that in but never let them don't get too far ahead of themselves but it is really really exciting yeah and I guess it goes back to what what you were saying, Chris, about sort of service design and, and kind of keeping the user in mind when you're kind of creating these these uh, projects and, and how it's best going to serve the people using it. That's the kind of way it's going to be successful, I guess. I, I, um, I speak with um, Elijah in my team, our data, our data intelligence lead, about how user centricity and, you know, the approaches that we've learned in designing digital services the the actual approach with how we design ai and uh, yeah how we use start to use all this intelligence and data the the model the approach is exactly the same mm-hmm. and we need to think about it from a user centricity perspective so, so t- totally agree and yeah. it, it's something we're actively kind of talking about how, how how what's the learning from other areas with how we start to develop out the capability yeah yeah but just to wrap up but once to ask you both I guess what your biggest lessons or, or takeaways are on how to create better reusability collaboration um something you've taken away from from this project that you've been working on so 
I had a I had a, a boss or a mentor when I was in government and he used to describe and I, and I say this and I hope I'm not upsetting anyone who who is a civil servant because I have the utmost respect for anyone who works for government but he used to talk about the uh, the, the the iron lung of government coming in and closing around projects stifling innovation and delivery and you have to be wary of it I'd say whenever a project is starting allow yourself to think big but think practically and pragmatically allow yourself to have that the vision of doing something differently don't not having the blinkers on looking up and around government and seeing what is going on and finding those pockets of really really innovative brilliant purposeful delivery that's going on and seeing how you can learn from them and it's certainly something that we're trying to do learn from other consultancies learn from other organizations learn from people and projects it's a really core part of this so i guess that's the, the one thing as a, as a takeaway i would say that i've learned is keep learning keep looking keep searching for things that are good and keep adopting new approaches for how you can do this because it's really exciting stuff and chris has a bit has there been a, a specific kind of big learning moment for you through all of this at all i, I I think um, how how I've developed personally over the last few years, and what I've learned is, you know, I agree with everything Ed just said. But the the key thing is when 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 I started here was that there are so many reasons why not to do something, so many complexities, um, so many problems. Um, you know, there's so many strategies, around, and I think that it's what we've really embedded within the program and how we work is that learning by doing. Um, and I, I think the, you know, what we constantly see every day, you know, is there's there's problems, but it turns out those problems are just items for our backlog that we need to do. And I think getting, if you can get, um, if you can get some technical teams and some product teams working really well in that way, so constantly evolving, really, really using Agile, that's where the real magic happens, I think, Sam. So it, it it's, it's that kind of, you know, let's not see the world as problems. Let's see them as things that we need to do to, you know, there's that's work we need to do. There's improvements we need to make. And I think we've really embedded that in our, in our kind of team-based environment. Absolutely. So critical. Yeah, no, really interesting and, and some great, great takeaways there. Um, no, really appreciate you both coming on the show. And and yeah, thank you so much for your, for your discussion. Thank you, Sam. Thanks thank you, Sam.